Let's give everybody out there a refresher course, a little layaway 101. How does it work? You find something you like, you set it aside. You do have to set aside a small deposit with that as well. Usually it's a percentage of the total purchase price of that item. So you do that, then you make your payments, whether monthly, bi-monthly, however it's set up. So you up. put it on hold, the store keeps it. The store keeps it for you, and that's why you're paying that little service fee right. there. This is NPR's Planet Money. Today is Tuesday, October 28th. It's about 4.26 p.m. here in New York City. Adam Davidson is out reporting. He just blackberried in that he has a big get somewhere out there in the field. Can't wait to hear what this get is. I'm Laura Conaway, and unlike the TV types you just heard, I am not putting anything on layaway. And that would be fine, except that, like so many of you out there, I've stopped buying things by whatever means really almost completely the Planet Money indicator for today has to do with shopping. We're going to hear from a listener on this in just a minute in our second Economist House call. Meanwhile, a group called the Conference Board released a survey today that I find just shocking. They say consumer confidence is the lowest it has been since they started asking people about it 35 years ago. Now look, a lot of people don't care for this kind of survey all about how people feel. We're going to try to talk tomorrow to economist Amir Sufi. He's the guy who's been warning us about the steep drop-off in spending by people like you and me. Sufi told me today that he wants to wait for another set of numbers. He really he doesn't even want to talk about this one. So we asked the people who did the Consumer Confidence Survey. I spoke to Ken Goldstein, an economist with the conference board. Well, look, every month for the last uh, three decades, actually now three and a half decades, we've been asking folks where they think uh, the economy and the labor market are now uh, and where they could be headed over the next six months. Uh, and again, I mean, you know, uh, there are lots of times when uh, we just see just a little noise uh, in the system, not much change month to month. That is not a description about where we've been over the last 12 months. You've got consumers who began to be worried even two years ago about the value of their homes and about how much it was going to cost to fill up that gas tank. Um, none of those concerns have really gone away. Starting about uh, last, almost about this time a year ago, consumers began to worry that the problems in terms of the overall economy were beginning, were going to begin to weaken the labor market. And of course, you know, consumers pay attention to what happens in terms of the stock market. They pay far more attention to what happens in terms of the housing market. But what really gets their attention, and certainly we see this uh, just the last month, uh, is any big change in the labor market. So much so that right now there's only three things that worry uh, the average consumer. It's not what happens to the stock market or even to their 401k, let alone the value of their home. Uh, what most affects people are my job, my job, and my job. And what's the, the worry here? We've lost jobs every month from January right through September. Nine straight months. Nine straight months. And the consumer not only is expecting that to continue, but expecting that, not only expecting that to continue, not only expecting the number of jobs lost to increase, 
but more and more folks are worrying about, you know, is it going to be me next month? And therefore, what we get here is not only a huge drop in confidence, but a drop down to a level lower than anything we've ever seen, lower than at the bottom of some very severe recessions in the mid-1970s and again in the early 1980s, much lower, in fact, than anything we've seen back then. But in the great disco recession of the 1970s, you're saying that people even then felt more confident than they feel now. They were down in the dumps then. They were tightening their bolts, their, their their household budgets then. They were worried about where the labor market was going then. The level of concern now exceeds, and not by a little bit, even the worry back then. These are folks out there who have been worried for the last 12 months Is and it the who are close to panicky now. Is it the length of time people have been worried that makes the difference between now and the 1970s? Well, certainly that's one factor, but that's not the only factor. It's also the fact that this is cutting across, uh, you know, all, all all fields, all regions. And one of the other big changes between now and, let's say, the early 1970s, it used to be the case that if you got laid off, there was at least a chance you might be called back. These folks who are losing their jobs now, those jobs are lost permanently. So, in other words, if you used to work at a manufacturing plant, they might lay you off for a little bit while orders dropped and then bring you back. Most And most of the folks today who are being told, you know, we're going to have to let you go because the economy is so bad, they're not going to be coming back to that job. There are some people who are coming back. I mean, I have a friend who works in Detroit who has been laid off five or six times, and he's back in the plant right now, although I'm sure he's on the bubble again. Well, he's on the bubble again, and also you're talking about, you know, those 16, 17 million people in the United States who still work in manufacturing. We have about 146 million people who are uh, working at some job or, or other today. And so for the other 120 million, when they get told no more job, it's no more job. And while most of those will eventually go back to work, most of them will go back to work at a job that doesn't pay as well as the one they just, that they just lost. When you say consumer confidence, what is the emphasis there on the consumer? You're not just saying sort of national confidence or people confidence. You're saying something that I equate with buying, the buyer's confidence, the shopper's well, confidence. Well, 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 the way that I would say this is that small changes in confidence usually are associated with small changes in spending patterns. But when you get a big change... And clearly, that's exactly what we're looking at right now, a big decline. When you get a big change in sentiment level, that's almost always associated with a big and perhaps even permanent change in terms of spending pattern. And so what we're looking at right now is a level of confidence we've never seen before, uh, almost certain uh, to be associated with consumers taking yet another look at what they can do without in terms of their household budget, um, and probably not uh, changing that, certainly not uh, you know uh, easing that uh, belt uh, tightening in the household budget, perhaps for another full year or more. So when you talk about a permanent change, I mean, again, I, I, the first place I, I go to think is, well, the Depression generation and how my grandparents and great-grandparents think about money and how reluctantly they part with it. And are you saying that today that, that my spending patterns are being affected by this I'm suggesting forever? That, well, I don't know about forever. Forever is a long time. But look, to have gone through, think of yourself, where you've been for the last 12 months, and imagine you have to do uh, even more over the next 12 months. 
it's going to take a long time, maybe not forever, but it's going to take a long time before you forget about 2008 and 2009. I mean, I was laid off twice in one 12-month calendar period between 2007 and 2008. And I guess I'm trying to say that I, I relate very personally to, to what you say when you say that we're looking at perhaps a long-term shift in the way people spend. I have, even though my income is fine, I am spending less money. There's no question. You know, you take a kid, let's say, who's still in school or maybe just got out of school uh, and starting out. And so if you have to change jobs a few times, either because you want to or because, you know, the the, uh, work environment uh, wasn't enough to hold on to your job, that's one thing. And you can bounce back from that. And most people do. When you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s and you thought this career was secure, uh, and and those folks losing their job and knowing when they do go back to work, it's not going to be for as much money as what they used to make, as well as what just happened to their pension, what just happened to their medical pay, uh, uh, coverage, and all the while watching the prices that we pay for, not just for food, for cable TV, for telephone, and on and on, continue to rise. I mean, people really get, uh, you know, get concerned about, you know, what are we going to do? Not only what are we going to do this month, but what are we going to do going forward? And I'm suggesting to you, this will end. It's not going to stay like, it's not going to be like this forever. But this is going to take a long time to put into memory so that the lingering uh, uh, impact of all of this in terms of what's going on in, in prices, in wage increases, in medical cost. Uh, in terms of job availability, this is going to take a long time to, to uh, you know, put in, in, uh, in past memory. That was Ken Goldstein doing a fine job of depressing everyone in a novel way. Ken, Adam Davidson will be very glad you did that. People, we've got to get out there and spend money, at least some money. My family, we marched across the street just this Saturday and we bought treats from a bakery so we could spend money. And I am serious. We did. We really did it, and for that reason. Our next guest sounds like he knows where I'm coming from. Jesse Kachapas is 34. He lives in Rhode Island, and he works for a software company. Jesse dialed in for an economist house call with Simon Johnson of Baseline Scenario. In the last two months, especially in the last 30 days, 45 days, I mean, I have cut my, my spending. I don't buy things anymore, and I you know, I... I was a real, you know, what you call an early adopter. I spent a lot of money. I mean, my wife did, you know, just had fun with it. Um, you mean buying iPods when they first came out and yeah, yeah. iPhones and then PlayStation? Yeah, and... I've owned every version of the iPod and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, you know, my gadget spending alone, I think I put, would, uh, would send us into a recession. Um, you know, so my whole thing is, you know, this whole this whole downturn, it's so advertised. You know, like housing hits home, and especially with people in my age group. So, and, you know, 401Ks and being able to see it day-to-day, you know, either online, being able to manage your account, you know, your company 401K account, accounts and seeing them plummet. And, you know, what, what effect is that going to have? And has it occurred that way in the past? Whereas, you know, a recession would come on and people would, you know, about it once we were in it, but... You know, most people weren't directly affected by, you know, your housing price going down 20 percent and, you know, seeing your your retirement fund, you know, going down 30 percent, 40 percent. I mean, is that going to have a different effect this time than it it had last time? Are there other people like me in my age group that are just, 
you know, not spending money. I mean, for example, my wife went, walked by uh, in Boston, went to the, she was in Copley Place, and she walked by uh, Banana Republic, and they were handing out, you know, flyers for 30% off, and she was like, it was just completely empty. You know, she didn't, she didn't buy anything, but she was like, it was amazing. Like, she'd never seen it like that. So it's scary. Simon, is the advertising of the recession having an effect here? Uh, yes, it is. And, and I'm afraid a lot of uh, retail uh, consumers are feeling the same way Jesse and his wife are feeling. There's a little bit of uh, shock uh, with regard to what's happened. And we have seen some, some things like this in the past. We saw the dot-com, dot-com bubble burst, but that didn't go along with a, a big um, uh, bursting of a housing bubble or other falls in, in asset prices. And um, I, I would, I'd like to try and gently encourage Jesse to go back into the stores and buy a few things, maybe a large coffee or something. Uh, <laughs> we really do need the consumer to keep at it, Jesse. Interestingly enough, um, Apple said this week that iPhone sales still look pretty good. And that is that I think, um, you know, as Jesse was mentioning, the, the Apple line of products are sort of classic early adopter kinds of things. So as long as people do want to buy those technology products and, and drive that, of course, helps drive the overall innovation process in this country, we'll be OK. If all the retailers want to sit at retail buyers can consumers want to sit out until January and not buy anything, then we, then we have more of a problem. Now, I see that, Jesse, you're 34 and your wife is 29. Yep. Simon, he was asking how this compares to past recessions. Is he just too young? Is this pretty standard for what has existed in the past? Or, or is this different with the impact on house prices and other things that people feel uh, in their gut? It's certainly different. It's certainly... Um, we haven't seen anything like it in this country since the late 70s, uh, early 80s. And you can argue that even, even what we saw then uh, was, was not as bad. I mean, we have all these problems or issues, let's call them issues, around the banking system, uh, which hopefully are on their way to being resolved. But I don't think we ever saw anything like that in, in the U.S., uh, at least since the 1930s. I don't think we're in for a, a reprise of the 1930s. And Ben Bernanke stressing that we've learned the lessons. And the key lesson is don't let prices fall. Right, so don't let debt burdens get worse. Um, now, that's good. That's very important. But how much better can we make it? What are the policies we're going to see over the next few months that are really going to pull us out of this? And to what extent is the government going to step in and take responsibility for buying? Just like Jesse and his wife don't want to buy, the government can do some buying. That's the whole point of the fiscal stimulus. But how much can the government do and how quickly? That we don't yet know. So Jesse actually is making as much money. He's not directly... You're not directly losing money because of this recession, but but you're cutting back on spending because of a feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking 12 months ahead and saying, okay, I got to make sure that if anything you know terrible happens to me, you know, or my wife loses her job, or I lose mine, that yeah, we have enough money to be able to to you know get through it alive. So you're feeling anxiety. You're cutting down on spending, which is actually. It's sort of you're creating the condition you're afraid of. Exactly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> is to Simon. To what extent is you know if we could give everybody a pill and make them feel confident all of a sudden would that solve the problem? Uh, well, it would certainly help at least uh, at least for a while. Obviously, the the thing people are worried about. Jesse just expressed it very clearly. Is is job uh, your job? What's going to happen to your job? Uh, what's going to happen to happen to your spouse's job? 
And uh, we just don't know. There's an enormous amount of uncertainty that's been generated really just in the last uh, six weeks. Uh, all the kinds of things that we thought we, were, so we could take for granted in terms of um, the nature of the economy and, and where the good jobs would be and how much you could get paid for doing this or that. It's all been sort of thrown in, into question. We desperately need to get some stability back. Um, anti-anxiety pills would be good. Uh, I think some positive, um, more assertive measures by the government would also be pretty helpful uh, at this point. I do think we'll, we'll regret, regain this sort of psychological equilibrium um, in, in January, February. But it, 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 we still have to get through a, a couple of months. But uh, to what extent is a recession at any point or this particular one some real thing that's actually happening? And to what extent is it just psychological, just anxiety? Well, there's always a real thing going on, and then the issues are exacerbated by various kinds of anxiety. So the real thing here is obviously that housing um, got a little bit uh, overheated and the house prices need to come down. And that the, those problems got multiplied uh, several times by the fact that uh, key parts of the financial system had taken on uh, far too much risk. So that was already the problem in the summer. And then we had the particular uh, handling of, of Lehman and AIG uh, in mid-September, the way in which uh, creditors in particular took big losses on what they thought were, were pretty safe uh, investments. That cre- created a big uh, crisis of confidence around the world. And that's what we're, we're, still, we're still trying to, trying to deal with. So these are real things that become psychological things that become self-fulfilling. You can stop it uh, to some degree um, by uh, restoring confidence, and that is what um, governments in the G7 countries, the big industrialized countries, are now trying to do. Unfortunately, it's you know it, the metaphor of letting the genie out of the bottle is a good one. It's hard to persuade the genie to go back in the bottle. Genie is out and having fun, and that same thing is true with anxiety. Uh, it's running around, and it takes a while to round it up and get it back in the bottle. All right, Jesse Kachapis in uh, Rhode Island, thank you so much. I guess the only thing we have to fear is fear itself and also the underlying things that are causing the fear. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care, Jesse. Take care. So that's the word from Simon Johnson to Jesse Kachapis. We'll be doing another round of Economist House Calls soon, so send us your story at planetmoney at npr.org. And keep in touch with us online Keep in touch all the time. Send us links to what you're reading. I really like including those on the blog. We're at npr.org slash money. And I want to say I'm starting to see y'all out there helping each other. This economy can be tough to understand, and I'm right there with you. I really am. It helps to know that we're all in it together, and it helps if we help each other like you're doing, and I really appreciate it. That's Planet Money for today. I'm off to interview Suchajit Das for a podcast later this week, I hope. I'm Laura Conaway. You, go spend some money, okay? Okay.